Welcome to Two Cents Podcast with Baba Tokwe and Bryce. We're two young African men from Cameroon and Nigeria living far away from home. Come join us as we explore life in the diaspora, giving our two cents on everything. On absolutely everything. Hello everybody, welcome to the Two Cents Podcast. This is your host Bryce, I'm with Baba Tokwe and uh, we're recording this episode on October 28th, 2020 and we're going to talk about uh, finances, especially um, money management or personal finance. Yep. So um, Tokwe, how, how have you been since the last episode, which was recorded, what, a month ago? <laughs> Let's say three weeks to be safe. <laughs> um, I'm as good as one can be. In the three weeks since we last recorded, like, a lot has happened, which which has um, which has not been great, which has put a lot of toll, like, personally put a lot of, like, emotional toll on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think there's, there's hope. One always has to remain hopeful, so but that's why I say I'm as good as I can be. Can you go into the details? I mean, so, like, as you guys already know from our first episode, I'm Nigerian, and, like, we just had the... Essentially, the Lekki massacre just happened. Um, but, like, as a prelude to that, what was really... Um, what was really what's really more important or key to know is that um before that we had some of perhaps the most interesting or um the most important protests of our generation so far by young nigerians um which was really triggered by a rogue police unit in nigeria called sars the special squad against robbery Hmm. in Nigeria against armed robbery against armed robbery yeah um, I don't even want to remember what the full acronym is but essentially that this rogue unit they operate techni- essentially without a rule book they're a team within the police that essentially they were formed to actually work against armed robbery which growing up in Nigeria was a big problem mm-hmm. um, but like over the over time instead of them focusing on armed robbery which they were created to do they started focusing on regular sit- they first started focusing on um fraudsters internet fraudsters which was illegal or wrong or out of their view and then they took that further a step further by starting to harass um starting to harass regular citizens mm-hmm. and they do this across the entire country um and the challenge is that the police is controlled by the federal government or the federal pol- police force but they operate from state to state the igp is in charge of uh, Inspector General yeah. of Police. The Inspector General is in charge, and the Inspector General is answerable to the Police Service Commission, to the Minister of Police, who are all answerable to the President. But it's also directly res- um, mm. answerable to the President. Like talking, like you talking about what what, what is still happening in uh, Nigeria, mm. because I mean, NSARS has gone um, more online now than um, yeah. Than, uh, than in, in the physical space, in yeah. the physical space, because of all the curfews and like obviously after what happened at the Lakey Toll Gate, yeah. um, it's safer to protest um, in different ways. And also mm-hmm. after all the warnings that the people have received, yeah. you know, from from the federal government and uh, the, the the local um, the local state governments. Um, but like hearing you out made me think about what is happening in Cameroon. That what has been happening in Cameroon for the past four years. I'm talking about the Anglophone crisis um, which has caused you know the displacement of millions of people more than 1 million um, which has caused more than 800,000 kids you know to be to stay out of school um, and I wanted to know like how did you feel you know watching all these happening from abroad everything that was happening at home 
I think I mean obviously I think this will resonate with you as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's mixed feelings. It's first of all like this is the first time that I've ever seen or that I've ever had to deal with um, things like this happening in Nigeria. Like Boko Haram was like perhaps what would have been the first thing, mm-hmm. but Boko Haram was technically far away because Boko Haram happened in a different part of the country in a specific region of the country which is not home to me. Um, so that was harder to like that. That was crazy to think about that there was like terrorism in Nigeria, but it was harder to to really visualize exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. But this was a bit more closer to home because the protests essentially were triggered in places where I've either lived or spent a lot of time. Mm. And there was on one side, like, the guilt of not being there. Mm. Like, seeing people actually get... We always joke that nobody wants to die for Nigeria. Nobody will protest in Nigeria. But this time, people actually came out and mm-hmm. sadly, very unfortunately, people have, people actually died for this, for our country, for, for the hope or the, the, the faith in, in, in our country. Mm. Um, so there was, there's a lot of guilt there. There's a lot of guilt of not being there to protest, which a lot of people outside Nigeria have combated by protesting in their home countries. Um, but there's also, or not their home countries, their countries of, of residence. Yeah, I was going to <laughs> Thank you. Um, but there's also the, um, what's it called? Um, there's also the joy. The? The joy. Okay, happiness the joy. Mm-hmm. to see that my people actually stand up are willing to stand up and also if you just see like how everything was organized it was organized so well that it's crazy to think damn that like, was that was very inspiring yeah. the way nigerians were able to organize like on ground and abroad mm-hmm. you know and the way they were able to use their agency you know going through the people who like um afrobees going through the people who like nollywood who still sometimes from the culture and you know force them you know to to take part in this, this movement yeah. and use their own platforms to advocate for the you know for the end of uh, of SARS was quite interesting to see and I think it makes also the difference with you know the way the anglophone crisis has been handled in Cameroon although at the street that we have two different kind of um, governments you know I feel like <laughs> um, do we well, I feel I'll like we have similarities, but yeah. definitely Bubu is learning from Popo, Bo- like from Popo. Yeah, because Popo has been there for long. He's been there for long, and like um, to be honest, like what happened in uh, in Lekki are things that have already happened in Cameroon. Yeah, not very often, but that have happened over the past like twenty. 30 years uh, whenever you know the youth try to protest against the regime um, um but what i really appreciated you know you know looking from afar with um with the the nsars protest was really how people were able to to organize shout shout out to like the feminist coalition yeah, you know they really FK, held it down for everybody like that's my president F- right right <laughs> fk abudu uh, jola kikimodi and like every everybody else but like the way they were able to organize it wasn't it wasn't just about you know uh, spreading awareness regarding SARS on social media especially twitter but it was also about like how can we use our individual platforms agency contacts networks you know to you know to sustain this movement and to show these people who are on the streets that we are with them yeah. i don't think that everybody all the youths who went down who went out for instance in lagos uh connected like especially those who are on the island i don't think they they totally connected with everything that was happening regarding saska some people You'd be surprised. Really? You would be surprised that, I mean, so like... Even Omo Babalao, they will connect to... Yeah, so there was a minister, I mean, like, 
I have I know a few people like any so the craziness about this thing the randomness is that anybody can be affected mm. of course some people are insulated because they would already have police security so nobody will ever stop mm-hmm. them Depend, depending on how rich you are but not just how rich you are depending on how fearful your rich parent or mm-hmm. family is of insecurity because mm. there's some rich people that won't go around with security mm. and they could become it's true that it's something them. big in Nigeria yeah, private, like security, private security police, police security. security like but then like there's a minister an ex minister she was the ex minister of ICT mm-hmm. she said her son was in front of her house and the SARS guys were passing by and the SARS guys stopped it's funny to think about how stupid they are and the SARS guy asked him why are you there what are you doing there and he says I'm in front of my house and the next thing the officer from what she if, I, if I'm recounting what she said correctly the next thing the officer said to him was if you say another word we will shoot you and now if you think of it a minister someone who's been a federal minister she she, she the, at worst she lives in a middle class neighborhood mm-hmm. at, at best expected um, she probably gated. lives in like in a mm-hmm. gated community mm-hmm. like Ikoivi and perhaps even ben- Banana Land yeah. so you think of how crazy it is that they would say that in those environments that's how much impunity they operate with that's crazy in fact like there's some it depends on who you ask but the figures are like 30 to 40,000 have been killed by by SARS over the last like decade or two wow and I guess then that's why you know um, the protests were successful because we can I think we can talk about like successful protests definitely like it's still an ongoing battle you know for the five points to be tackled and to be you know um um answered like the five for five to Mm -hmm. be answered by the government but the fact that i think the fact that most people could connect we know with um the 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 movement and the reason why people were protesting that's why it resonated so much within like nigeria and outside and outside of nigeria um and i mean i'm still trying to learn a bit from you know the way nigerians were able to organize because obviously in cameroon uh, our own anglophone crisis has been going on for the past four years um we have like a different uh, i'll say a different kind of government because um when the the anglophones so the native people from the northwest and southwest of cameroon who are predominantly english speakers started um talking about their their marginalization started demanding you know for better integration you know what happened is that the government so it started with the 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 school teachers in the southwest and northwest regions and then the lawyers joined them you know because cameroon applies both civil law and common law but they felt like the use of common law was marginalized in courts the the use of english language was also marginal marginal in courts and then uh, some um OHADA, so the Organization of Harmonization of Business Law in Africa, they they, they do the ENACT um, Act, which is supposed to be trans, uh, transposed into um, local law. Exactly, but then they were never translated in uh, in English, so they didn't have in- official English versions. So how do you expect these lawyers to be able to do their work, advise their clients, you know, um, if they don't have a full understanding of what the texts are about? So they also went into protest, and the reaction of the government was quite <laughs> was quite violent because they directly sent in the military. Um, we saw videos, you know, and everything yeah. is happening um, digitally these years. And it, the thing is, it's also a proof of how um, of, of of how um, our rights to of to, uh, you know our freedom of, of expression have been brutally. Um, 
that have been brutally um, censored that we have to go through online protests to be able to, 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 to be heard or to show what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. So there were videos of um, lawyers being dragged on the street by, uh, by police officers and soldiers. And um, from there, like the claim went from, okay, we want more integration to we want feder federalism, you know. And then um, when they asked for federalism, the state started talking about um, calling them terrorists, you know, because they wanted to modify the shape of the of the country and um it was just so everything was just so um radical you know there was no discussion no conversation just acts that were disproportionate to the to, to the demands of the, the people. people so from there from federalism the the, 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 the government sent in more armed um armed soldiers and then a small group of people who were asking for federalism started asking for secession, secession yeah you know so um it's been quite complicated because the people themselves cannot really, um, they don't talk with the government. Like, whether it's the people who are affected by the crisis and who come from the Anglophone regions, or the, the, the people themselves who are like also inspiring terror. So the secessionists form like different armed militias and they are traumatizing the populations who uh, do not see um even the anglophones yeah even the anglophones you know because um i mean they have to feed themselves they also have to sh show the the the, the um the government that they they're powerful that they are powerful that they can inspire fear they also want to show somehow that they are well equipped to, in order to protect the regions if ever secession happens so um so for the past for the past four years, there haven't really been real conversations, you know, where you have different stakeholders who sit in one room and genuinely talk about how to bring an end to this um, to this crisis, which has really affected the lives of so many people. Like you go, I was I was in Cameroon um, earlier this year, where I spent six months. You have so many anglophone uh, people doing um, you know small jobs and even taxi drivers. I was very surprised, you know, um, even in in Douala, like um, uh, in 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 the in the neighbor in the in the cities in the neighboring cities uh, close to Douala, you have a lot of children, you know, um, fifteen year old, fourteen year old, thirteen year old doing prostitution it, within the city. You have like you know, like it's crazy because people need to survive, like. Kids have been like the fa families have been separated. Some have died. Um, it, it's just a huge um, humanitarian crisis. Yeah, which is also one of the most neglected in the world. Um, nobody, I feel like I personally do feel like nobody is doing anything to resolve the the crisis. And I also feel like. Um, so the government doesn't want to look back at what they, they did and acknowledge the mistakes, you know, and find ways to create to, to create a space where everybody can exchange. I feel like the local authorities, like traditional authorities themselves and some economic, you know, elites, they have been too pro-government, you know, that they don't even have any legitimacy to speak on behalf of the people anymore. Yeah. And um, they have also been just too pro-government that it wouldn't even sound right to the government if they came and then they made some counter offers which did not align with you know what they viewed in the first place all in the name of la république du cameroun uh, which is like you know central state um and then i feel like I, everybody else like cameroonians themselves you know they have just been very into minding their own business that they forgot or they never really um you know took the time to think about you know the the things that have been happening to 
we are brothers and sisters like we are in this country together how can you continue living your life like nothing is happening if you know your brother in another uh, region of the country is getting killed or if his children cannot go to school and um just just um, last Saturday, there was a, a killing, you know, in Kumba, where some uh, gunmen from, they call from the Ambazonians, which is like the secessionist group, they entered a school and they killed six children. You know? Yeah, I read about this. Yeah. And this is what has triggered the, the, especially like the mothers and women coming out recently over the weekend. Exactly, exactly. And um, yesterday, well, two days ago on Monday, um, most parents across the country refuse to send their school their, their kids to school you know in support you know to 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 these mothers grieving you know mourning their children um also in protest of the of the way that the crisis have been have been managed this past four years um i really hope that something will happen i also want us you know as um, the civil society to organize ourselves better you know to find some solutions at our own level and not necessarily or always wait for the state because um, they haven't been doing their job yeah, yeah. they haven't been doing their job so um, and then there are also many other things so I asked you how you were doing but um, I myself you know I've been um, I've been affected by what was happening in Nigeria because you know it brought back some traumas of like what what's happening in Cameroon what I've seen you know at some point especially in 2008 during the strikes let's dive directly into okay. the topic of the of the day well let's say that in this situation I'm going to be the patient and you're going to be the the doctor, the doctor. because this guy he calls himself personal finance so that's his nickname huh? personal <laughs> finance <laughs> uh, yeah I think we're going to talk about money management um, and the topic of the Day, like the title being um, uh, Gary and Bankalets. <laughs> yeah, back, yeah. <laughs> why did I think, or like, why did I offer that topic? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, it, it basically sums up how I feel every time I spend money. <laughs> And then I realize that shit, there's life, you know. Yeah. Uh, for instance, like how I'll go on trips, I'll live my best life, and then I'll come back. And I mean, you have to drink Gary. <laughs> and for context, Gary is uh, it's cassava flakes. It's for those who don't know exactly when you're. I have I like that different ways I, I like to put it. When you're very, very broke, you know, you only soak Gary with cold water. <laughs> when you have a bit of money, you soak Gary with water and, and granuts. <laughs> when you are still broke, but you still have another level, what I do is I soak Gary with granuts at lime. Lime? Yeah. Yes, never tried that. It's, it's, really, it's really good. Okay. And then when I'm in the mood, I can also, you know, add add some like ice cubes. Mm. But like for me, that's like so there are levels to your poverty. <laughs> <laughs> that's high gastronomy for me. But yeah, definitely. Like, so what are to you like um the best way? What what are what are the best ways to save money when you are a student yeah. and when you are you know um. A young adult, you know, you just yeah. got your first job. First job. So, what what are the ideas one should think of or think about when he, um, when he or she wants to save money? I mean, okay, so I think there are different things. One is there's a lot of pressure thinking about savings over like, over about saving money over spending money or using money correctly. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one like fundamental like philosophical slash mind shift that is important to have. But to answer your question directly, I mean, I think. When it comes to saving money, you really need to think deeply about why you're saving money or what you want to use the money for. So, um, 
what I've realized is saving money without a goal is harder to do because after a while you realize, oh, I just have all this money in my account and I really don't know what I'm going to use it for. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to get tempted to spend it on things you shouldn't be spending your money on. Um, so I would say um, tips to save money is one, to do it automatically. So I have a specific amount that I should save. Is there a percentage that you advise people to save? Yes, I know. I don't. I can't think of a percentage. I can't pull one out of my. I was gonna say out of. Even though people have different economic situations. Different people have different economic situations. I think the standard that every like personal finance guru or whatever I tell you is like ten percent. You should be able to save at least ten percent of your income. That's like Mm -hmm. a good start. So once you're able to save ten percent and you actually put that money aside and you're not going to spend it Mm -hmm. in the next month or in the next two months, um, you put that aside. What I would say is a good ambitious target. Not just percentage wise, is to be able to save or always to have about six months to one year mm-hmm. of your regular monthly expenses saved up. Wow, that's good. Yeah, so, so in case you go broke or you lose you your broke, job, lose your job, you know, change in your situation, situation yeah. you have like a, a cushion. You have, yeah, to from six months to one year, which is, and you know, the, the really interesting thing is this year has shown us that that can actually be important. Mm-hmm. Like, who could have imagined that from like February slash March, a lot of people, like a lot of sectors of the economy have been on pause. Definitely. So, you know, having that six months to one year cushion is good. So if you start with that goal in mind, so even if, um, if you start with that goal, this is more for young adults who have started working if you start mm-hmm. if you start with that goal in mind um you can uh what's it called you can set your you, you can think better about like the percentage that you save mm-hmm. so if you want to get six months of your of your of your of your of your expenditure saved then maybe you have to be saving 20 percent per month or you have to be saving 30 depending on how much you earn or you could save five percent depending on how much and do it over a period of one year you know uh-huh. i have a dumb question can you become what's millionaire from saving money <laughs> like the tip because <laughs> some people have this idea that oh yeah um, saving money makes you wealthy you know yeah, yeah. Um, and then other people talk about investments yeah. some other people talk about like the different kind of placements you can make yeah. with your money you know and different kind of savings accounts yeah. you can you know you can use so what what what, what is your your take on the my take is saving itself does not make you wealthy mm-hmm. but you cannot be wealthy without knowing how to save so like it's 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 like it's like uh it's a catch 22 so you need to be able to say you need to have money to be able to do the things that make money grow Mm -hmm. to even have the cushion to to invest to to have the cushion to to um to try and start a business Mm -hmm. try and start a side hustle and to do that you need to learn how to save you also need to learn how to save because when you actually whether you get paid maybe that first million comes as a direct salary payment or Mm -hmm. bonus payment you need to have the 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 saving skills to not waste the entire because if you have if you earn a million a millionaire and you save one i mean you spend one out of it you automatically are no longer a A millionaire millionaire. (laughs) so you know you need to be able to think of a way to, to preserve that million and make it grow so and i mean for just to answer your last the question before for students mm-hmm. what i would target is something i would call a summer fund okay so every student has how much they spend i don't know how it was for you but every student has how much they spend from a month to month basis mm-hmm. you have a good idea of it but for a lot of people during the summer you either re- receive less 
pocket money if you're receiving pocket money because you're at home mm-hmm. so your parents don't imagine that you need as much money you're not independent again or some people don't even receive money because they're at home so all their feeding needs and whatever or some people don't have people who support them or maybe you're you're receiving like a bursary or something but that bursary does not come in the summer um so my, i think my idea for students would be to figure out how much you spend mm-hmm. and try to like instead of concentrating it in only those nine months that you spend in school you try and spread it across 12 months so think of your summer holidays okay. and you then save up every month enough to make sure that during your three months or four months of summer holiday you will still be able to live the same type of lifestyle that you live during the school Bro. so why didn't, my, why didn't nobody tell me that before because <laughs> <laughs> it was it used to be very tough i mean i mean um i have a different way of saving yeah. right i mean as the the, the as time grew um and then i was like you know i started becoming more and more financially independent or was you know was forced to think about becoming autonomous financially i had to find different ways of saving my money so um first of all before i go i, I talk about my personal experience <laughs> <laughs> what is my own personal experience For, well when was what made you think that you had to be better you know what happened that made you think that you had to be better at saving your money truthfully it's like um like this is like the deep truth it was it was a different set of experiences Mm -hmm. i'm fortunate to be born to two people who are highly educated Mm -hmm. and relatively highly successful at what they do and like truthfully (laughs) and and truthfully like seen directly from my parents lives like i come from a relatively comfortable family but i could see a lot of mistakes that they made Mm -hmm. and i could see that you could be very well educated you could be very well on paper perfect mm-hmm. but in this aspect of life that you have to deal with be very imperfect and that has consequences on your own life and the lives of those around you and i could also see different examples like you would always hear of like the person who was who's who inherited a ton of money but you know mm-hmm. spend I, the money spend so the money fast. exactly spend the money so fast and you always and i could see examples of, of things like that and you see that okay you really need to understand the relationship with money but do you have any like tips for people who really don't know how to hold themselves from spending money because i for instance um (laughs) i don't know if it's a good tactic right um i have different ways of saving money but i'm a big money spender you understand um i like taking care of myself i like enjoying but at the same time i understand that to be able to enjoy or the things that that i like you know on the long term i also need to have like a, a safety net kind of you know or a good caution um but yeah sometimes it's like so how I save money? Let me tell you about like different ways I've started saving money. So because I know I spent like, I'm not good at saving like when I save, even in my savings account, what I do is that um, I save like through, in, in, in Cameroon, we have this thing called Jangi. And um, basically it's like a group of people who associate themselves and like every month you put, I said you, 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 you save a certain amount, like you put a certain amount um, in this uh, common collective pot, if I could call it like that. And then one every month, one person, you know, chops all the money, kind of. So um, you also have like to draw your name so you know on which specific month you are going to yeah. get the money. So it's actually a great idea. Yeah. Because what happens is that um, because I know that my money should not be too close to me. One of the thing I do is that I 
save some of our money through the jangis yeah. you know um and then i know that maybe for like what eight months or seven months or ten months i won't have access to the money you know but i know that the money is there the money will come back to me and do it with people you trust <laughs> uh, and um and that makes me feel relatively um um good you know knowing that i'll be able to get back that money at after a certain period but the thing is that i cannot put all my money yeah. there you know so what i also do is that i kind of like use the money on like different you know business projects mm-hmm. um where i know that i'm going to also make interests yeah so um it could be something that will like well i'll be able to double my money and i'm not saying don't go and give your money to people who multiply like that's not the kind of business i'm talking about no it's like just like entrepreneurial things that i do that i know that for sure if i put i don't know 500 here i can have like double triple or something um i'm still a student so that's why my money is a small amount (laughs) (laughs) um and then another thing that i've started doing is that I don't mind lending money to my relatives yeah. or to very close interest? friends. The problem is that they won't give me interest. But then it helps you save your money because you're not holding it. Exa- ex- exactly, you know. So that's one of the things. I mean, I also have like a savings account, but like I have to use like these three different methods to be able like to 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 how can I? Yeah, not just like because when I see the money, I want to spend, spend the it. money, or at least my lifestyle is going to want more. You understand? <laughs> The trick question I want to ask you is when you know when you put your money into projects and you double your money, mm-hmm. when you get the profit back, what do you do? Exactly. So that's <laughs> a problem now. Things that there's a <laughs> there are bills lining up. Yeah. Like expenses lining yeah. up. So I'm a crazy spender. Mm. The things I'm not just I don't I'm not really shopping clothes like I used to do that or shopping like you know unnecessary items or we'll just, just go um, to the restaurants now or buying I, I would do that yeah. because you know I've worked hard yeah. it's it's normal that at some point I spoil myself or I see what I'm working for but like um it's usually like more business investments or more interesting projects you know or or another thing basically like or something that i wanted to do in a long time let's say even a trip you know and like i postponed the payment moment until when i receive a, cent- a certain amount of money yeah. and that's when i spend the money so it also happens sometimes that even when i receive all the money back you know and i got all i got my return on investment the like after a few days <laughs> it's gone again okay so so it's kind of like a cycle yeah but it's because i don't know how to i don't have a clear uh, saving strategy yeah i mean so there, there are two things that I, I i think will work in particular for you one is automated savings like if you automatically and you have a separate account maybe mm-hmm. even separate maybe account a separate from. account from the one you already have yeah so i think you can have a livery uh, ah. Ah, you can have um, something durable. Uh, there's a there's um, a so, there's like a, an eco friendly or something like that account. So you can have multiple savings accounts, and you could do it with different banks. Mm. And you make sure that you don't hold the card for some of those accounts with you all the mm. time. So that's one thing you can do. But you send money to that account automatically yep. every month. I had someone tell me that. Yeah. So that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would say from I think you get a lot of bulk payments. So one thing I I learned from a book is to split that bulk payment which i also i've tried before and it works i still ended up spending a good chunk of it mm-hmm. but like for example when i graduated from my bachelor i got a lot of i got a big chunk of money from like my dad and mm-hmm. mom 
my mom and dad and what i did was i kept that money in like what i was meant to do was to split it into two mm-hmm. and keep half in a bank account as savings mm-hmm. and then keep um what they call it the other half in a bank account but not touch it for six months okay the, do you get interest the one that i put in the bank account that i don't touch for six months no you don't you don't really get interest mm-hmm. in the, on the current account but the idea is to be able to defer gratification okay which is i think which is the key skill to learn i mean the one in the savings account is earning interest and you can also put it in your investment account the idea is just to, to make sure you don't spend all of it you mm-hmm. put half into something that will earn money but half that you're going to spend to satisfy yourself you still keep it for like three six months depending on the scope of pressure or whatever because if you really need to pay your bills you really need to pay your bills but it's always good to get that discipline to to defer the spending of that money then in six months time some of the things you thought were really important to pay on the day you receive the money you might end up saying okay it wasn't that important to pay i could have used some other stuff that i earned money from to use mm-hmm. to pay it um so yeah that's what i would say on those two points i mean what i think is also important is like you were saying earlier so it's not just to save you want to get a good saving strategy you need to learn that but you also want to get a clear understanding of investing particularly investing in the stock market um so that you are always diverting money into there are many people talking about it like i don't know if you it's the same for you guys listening but like in my in my in my group of friends like when i go on uh, or when i go on social media like the people i follow my friends and stuff they're always talking about like the different investment groups like i, I don't or forex exchange uh forex Voila. i think me for me forex most so for me for i think forex most of those most not all are like mm-hmm. scams mm-hmm. where the real business is not really um is not really making money through forex mm-hmm. but you yourself are the, the person who's been introduced into those groups you're the business or you're the customer mm-hmm. In the sense that getting you to join the group you pay you pay and then you pay to learn so you know that's really where the business is not necessarily because forex is really really um it's a really really complex market but these people they make too much noise like when they join yeah. the, the, the the different groups they are making like noise forex, trying forex. to yeah try to get you to join <laughs> Me, I'm just there, I'm watching, you know, and then after six months, there's no more hype. You exactly. cannot, you don't hear from these people anymore. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know if they made money. I mean, you can't see the life changing, yeah. you know, unless they're also very good at saving money and they're very discreet about the money they made through the forex. But like, you don't see their life changing. You just know that they they're not longer they're no longer talking about it. But then other people, new people, will come and do the same, will come and do the that's same how thing. You see, that's how you see. Um, not um, I've forgotten. It's it's like a bubble. Mm-hmm. It's um, people are just really overexcited, and some people don't understand the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I think the key thing I would say about investing that I'm still learning. And even the most experienced investor is still taking time to to grow. Is making sure you're always thinking about the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. You that you understand the real business that you're investing. In. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're investing in stock exchange it's not just somebody saying to you Apple or Tesla is a great company because mm-hmm. it's growing blah 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 it's you really sitting down spending time to understand what does Tesla actually do how do mm-hmm. they make money and are they going to be making money for the next 20 to 30 years what influences your stock prices as well you know exactly what following the news stock price. and is the stock price the same thing as company value or stock value mm-hmm. you know those are things that you need to spend time really thinking about but let's say um yeah, there's somebody you have a case, this is a case study you know there's some you have somebody come up, coming up to you the person is like 22 the person has 500 euros you know it's either the person <laughs> spends the money by going out clubbing buying bottles of champagne or i don't know going to a restaurant like or the person can like have have the opportunity you know to keep the money on the longer term yeah but like 
wants some sort of interest yeah what would you tell to the person <laughs> mind you the person you know spends a long amount of time not seeing this kind of money but wants to be able to feel comfortable but at the same time have the money on the long term okay if we're in france um I would tell this person to do two things. One is to split the money into two, mm-hmm. 250-250, and then put half in a leverage-on, which gives you, this year it's really low, it's a guarantee 0.75%. Mm-hmm. Put it half in that. Then I would say, take the other 250 and, and invest that um, in the stock exchange. It's not the ideal situation, because How I- do you enjoy yourself as well? Because you also want to enjoy. Ah, you also want to enjoy okay i didn't think of that um that's a bit more complicated maybe we could split it okay you save the 250 for sure i would say you you need to save a good chunk okay so i'll say you save the 250 for sure mm-hmm. maybe you then take um a hundred that you can try and use to test mm-hmm. investing with um and then you um maybe not even 100 like 50 euros and then you you spend the remaining 200 to enjoy I mean, uh, because really, you need to always, you need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, like, money is not just for keeping and holding, you know. So, and you need to use, and these days, feeling good is attached to spending money. So, you, you need to try and make sure you, either you change the way you think about that or you spend so you feel good. So, it's not ideal, but I would say save to 50 for sure. Because mm-hmm. you always need to have a cushion. Yeah, definitely. So, you save to 50 for sure. Um, you can then spend anywhere between 50, um, 100 to 150 on yourself or whatever mm-hmm. you want to buy, maybe the new pair of shoes that you've been thinking about. And then you then take the 50. Why I say this part especially is because you need to do to learn. Mm-hmm. So you then try and take that 50 to 100 and to try something with the stock market, whether that's buying the specific stock of a company that you spend some time researching mm-hmm. and feel comfortable investing in, or you do something I'm more interested in for now, which is called index investing. Mm. So you what do, is that? What, index investing is essentially it's not to bore you the theory. The idea is that <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of me learning. I'm just if you guys you guys are not are not here, but I'm just like looking at him. You know, I wish I could actually, I should actually be taking notes. No, no, yeah. you can always really, listen to episode yourself. Definitely, I'll listen to it. I mean, so um, the idea with index investing is there are there are two sides to it. One side is like a lot of us truly wouldn't have enough time to to sit down and research individual companies or individual industries before mm-hmm. we invest that's why a lot of people give their money to financial advisors but giving your money to financial advisors brings problems because you have to pay that person so one your money has to make money mm-hmm. then when your money makes money you have yeah. to pay yeah, somebody else mm-hmm. out of that money mm-hmm. so what comes back to you is less than it should be when you can invest directly um, but to invest directly more efficiently instead of buying stocks from specific companies you need to sort of diversify your risk as much as possible mm-hmm. so for example if you think of it um, um, there are usually big companies on the stock exchange that have the greatest impact, maybe CAC Count in France or S&P 500 in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those companies can either make the markets move up or move down. There are also very small companies which when they grow, they also have a big impact on the economy, but which can also go flat. So mm-hmm. if you buy individual stocks in a big company, a company that's doing very a company that's doing very well today may be doing very badly in 20 years. And so you lose all your money. A company that's doing very small today can grow and your money triples. So for how long should you keep the stocks? Because there's like should you so, should you speculate if you want to quit No, so I'm not a speculator. Okay. I'm not a speculator at all. I don't believe in speculations. 
that's one thing I'm still debating because I, I mean, I have friends who invest at, who are more speculators. Yes, remove his glasses, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's serious here. <laughs> who are more speculators, and we debate all the time. There, there are sometimes when you feel tempted to speculate. I would say this is another a more complex thing. Like if you have a hundred euros to invest, mm-hmm. you should invest. You should play around with ten euros in speculation. Okay. The rest should be a clear long-term strategy. You should be able to hold your stocks for multiple years i don't want to give a specific number because i can't remember any theoretical number mm-hmm. that should be used but you need, you need to be able to keep your money for at least five ten years five ten fifteen years wow it's a real it's like a long-term it's investment. a long-term yeah it's a long-term investment that's why you need to either be sure of what you're investing in and spend mm-hmm. time researching or you invest in an index so you invest in a broad set of companies so that regardless of what happens your money on average will grow every 10-15 years by like 7% and I guess this is why they always say don't invest money that you need invest money exactly. that you have ready Ex- for investment because exactly. a 10-15 year like an investment of 10-15 years is like a long term commitment it's a long term commitment it's, and there's, it has to do with a lot it has a lot to do with faith mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that the money that you invest will act there's no absolute guarantee there's a, sort, there's a relative guarantee that it should grow because economies our economies will continue to grow people will continue to make money innovate and all that so mm-hmm. there will continue to be growth but there's no absolute guarantee that or there's no absolute guarantee that 10 years exactly 10 years from today the stock market will be higher than it was today it might be higher yesterday yep. or the day the, you know yesterday in 10 years if that makes sense but like in 10 years from now okay. so 10 years exactly today yeah it might be low but the night before it was high yeah you know? so there's no gar- there's no absolute guarantee on that kind of stuff but relatively you're sure that your money should grow and it's better than keeping your money under the the, the or just spending or it or just spending it spending it is the worst you know basically but how do you do like if you're an individual and you want to you know um buy some um some stocks and um be able to like make this long-term investments um as an individual how how do you go about it where do I go? Where do you go? So, like, it depends on where you are. So, in Europe... Um, I know that you do some... You, you buy stocks, right? Yeah. So... I don't buy individual stocks in Europe, but mm-hmm. um, I buy stocks. I use two things. One is called Digiro, and another one is called Trading212. Okay. Well, um, I mean, free publicity. Yeah, yeah free publicity. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just buy index funds or ETFs, exchange-traded funds. I buy those through them. Um, and I designed my portfolio. It's that one is another conversation. Mm-hmm. But I designed my portfolio. Try to be as risk as reduce my risk as possible and invest. But you don't, so you don't need a, like a specific um, certificate authorization or so, make a sort of some sort of declaration to your. You, you do. Okay. So you need your tax number. So that's actually something I need to sort out. I've been trying to declare my tax in France <laughs> for at least one year. Say this on, on on air. They're going to come and chase you. No, I've been trying. I've been. I want them. To so you chase, want them to? I've been, yes, I've been trying honest, to declare. An honest resident. I mean, how much do I have to declare? I've been trying to declare it, and they've not been asked because I need a tax number to be able to invest but Please. typically once you've worked once you've had an internship or mm-hmm. a job you should have a tax number mm-hmm. so that makes it um, easier Minister of Finance you know if you <laughs> come, come and find Tokwe here please he wants to he wants to pay his um, I want to pay my taxes my his, dues his dues 
Okay, I think that some of the takeaways uh, from what you just said is that first, when you have money, yeah. split into two. Yeah, <laughs> if you can, if, if you, you can, can, yeah, if you especially can. like when you don't have like charges, you don't have if you don't have children, if you don't have like yeah. uh, an important rent, you know. Yeah. Well, basically, the revenue that's available, split it into two. Yeah, then this is for big, big income, not not, not your regular salary. Okay, for, like, big income or irreg- irregular income. Yeah, so split it into two. Yeah, when you split it into two. Um, um, one goes into your the, the half goes uh, into your savings account. The other half, the other half, you can. Um, it's for spending, spending <laughs> and investing. Yeah, spending and investing. Yeah. But then the proportion would mostly be kind of like sixty percent spending, forty percent investing. To be, to be honest, yeah, true, yeah. I was going to say to be honest, like you can even spend everything, mm-hmm. but it would be better to invest a portion of it. The focus on each half should be one. The first half should be really to to keep it for the future. Yep. Because so, if you have a problem, that's the immediate like solution. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is okay. You want to satisfy yourself. You don't want to feel. You have like, worked hard. Yeah. You don't want to feel like you made money and then you're not spending it. So mm-hmm. you, know, you spend that. But if you can invest a, a portion of it, mm-hmm. you should. Yeah. And then as time goes, you know, the more money you make, the more you've been able to like to have this habit. Also, the less you would be intent. Like you would. You wouldn't always want to um, to spend half of the other fee, like twenty five percent of what you get, or thirty percent, you know, because it could start with five hundred, but you're so good and you invest so much, like you have good returns. That next time it could be two thousand, and you're not always going to just go and chop one thousand or five hundred, exactly. and then it's going to come like to five thousand, ten k, and so on and so forth. And from doing from so from having this very um, let's say structured way of saving and investment, do you think one can become a millionaire? I'm coming back to my equity. <laughs> Okay. With the with the coupling of savings and investing. Or oh, the question is, do you think that with ha- by having a very um, structured, you know, and um, let's say regular way of saving, one can buy a Birkin to his girlfriend? Because that's no. the conversation no. right now no. on the internet. No. So, so that's the problem. So that's I mean that's why there are always in life. I think there are always levels. You you you're always trying to levels. master everything. There are mm-hmm. always levels. Like if you just do savings and regular investing, mm-hmm. you will become a millionaire. But maybe you become a millionaire at 65 right uh-huh. how many people want to wait till they're 65 i don't want to wait till i'm 65 to be a millionaire you know like it would be nice to know that i'll be a millionaire eventually but why do i need to spend so much time mm-hmm. waiting to get it um it's just that it gets like it gets a bit harder to be able to do this like what am i saying the other the way what I understand right now is you either are going to do one of two things to be able to get rich enough to be able to buy your Birkin, the Birkin at a younger age. Mm-hmm. One is either you save a lot, maybe you save like 70 to 80% of your income mm-hmm. and you spend only 20% of your income. So you're saving a lot while you're young. So you're also depriving yourself. You're also depriving yourself of a lot between mm-hmm. maybe when you're 25 and 30 or 35. But you're investing that money regularly, even mm-hmm. if it's in the stock exchange or whatever. That money can then compound quickly because you're saving high. The money will be compounding. Your savings rate is high, so mm-hmm. your money will actually be growing relatively well. So you won't be too young. You won't be young like our age right now, but maybe like in your mid, your, you can retire maybe like mm-hmm. forty or something max. And that way, you'll be able to buy all the, you'll be able to buy maybe one Birkin at the very. Least. I also have a, a, a technique that I've been thinking about. Yeah. You know, why not buy shares from you? You know um startups yeah but that's re- you can do that but that's also very very it risky it's very risky because very, very, you cannot guarantee that's why from your from your portfolio management perspective 
that's why you always need to spread your risks yep there will definitely be companies that the the best startup you can invest in is yourself <laughs> I'm, I'm serious the, if you want to do that the best startup you can invest in i think is yourself to decide okay i'm going to start a business mm-hmm. whether it's going to be a side hustler first or a bona fide startup mm-hmm. to decide okay i'm going to take i don't know i've saved up five ten thousand euros it's not mm-hmm. a lot of money but i'm going to spend a bit of time well it depends on where you're seeing it from but it's not a lot of money mm-hmm. at scale it's like okay i'm going to try and figure out a way to to make more money out of this multiply. and multiply it um hopefully it's a business that actually brings in income that you can look at mm-hmm. profitability quickly and once that's the other way i was going to suggest that would help you um, make money but you know there's a lot of risk like imagine you giving me money to help you make money, right? I say I have a business idea, a startup idea, and you then give me the money. Like even if you don't, I mean, I will not just give talent, the, well, yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. I will not just give you the money you because. Be sure <laughs> but there's so much more risk in me being the one that you're relying on to make you. Familiar. But the thing is that, um, realistically though, you have also a number of startups, you know, which are like highly valued today, but started, you know, with like business angels and like family angels. I don't yeah. know what what is the proper term for it's that. Angels, angel investors. Angel investors, like like from the relatives, you understand, and like these people just like the idea. It's not the, I'm not asking you. Oh, nobody's asking family you. and friends, yeah. Okay, exactly. And nobody's asking you to put thirty percent of your savings or ten percent, but like you know, maybe have like a, a, a number of projects you know that yeah. you like that you want to see grow because they they have a solution that you that you're interested in, and at some point just wait and see you could be either like an active um, partner or investor partner investor or you could be a silent one and uh, you just like the team and want to see how the project um, grows I want to say this is not financial investment we're just having a conversation mm-hmm. I want to say that that's not an investment strategy okay why because there's so much um, one from the perspective you're saying it, there's, there are two things I think I've heard you say one is the angel investing aspect mm-hmm. and the other is the bank of family and friends so to say I think the bank of family and friends there's so much emotion involved there's so much yeah I just want to help this person but you still but, sign contracts now you can but really a lot of the stories that I hear of like mm-hmm. fathers who give their children like investment of like I don't know fifty thousand dollars or something or one million or like, one Donald, million, Trump. like <laughs> Donald Trump most of them never expect to get the money back okay like if I was going to ask my dad for a business loan I don't know like he might give it back and make it seem like he really wants the money back but I believe at the back of his mind like what I would do for my child it's like at the donation. back of, it's like a donation or you don't really like if you fail like he's not going to like depends if it's your father like he might not like be distraught or kill you but maybe if it's an uncle they'll be like you wasted all my money <laughs> but you so you know it's not really mm-hmm. an investment strategy from that perspective angel investing can mm-hmm. be an is an investment strategy but angel investors invest in so many companies typically they have a lot of money available for that yeah so even if it's just five ten thousand dollar tickets they would have maybe a hundred two hundred thousand dollars sometimes they might not if it's somebody who is faking it till they make it Mm -hmm. but the typical person i believe if i understand it correctly would have money to invest in multiple companies so they do it regularly in fact Mm -hmm. in the u.s you have to be an accredited investor before you can do angel investing so you have to be worth i think over a million dollars at the what about nigeria i don't know about nigeria Mm -hmm. i don't think there there's any accredited um there's not a lot I know of usually angel. It, it works through like different sorts of like angel associations yeah like i know that from what i know is that there's one african business angel yeah club in uh in france 
and uh, I mean it focuses like I think it gathers um, African um, business angels who are investing in like solutions oriented towards exactly. African problems uh, resolving African problems I think there's also one at like the African level and then like in different countries on the continent have their own um, their own angels and obviously when you're in more developed uh, countries like France you have definitely like France or the UK or the United States you have like many more like angel yeah, associations for sure mm. So yeah, and you could you could you would hopefully God by God's grace become a, an angel investor one day. I hope so. I'm thinking. And, I'm thinking about it. Like, I, I feel like saving, as you said. Like you know, I don't want to wait. I mean, to be sixty five. Because even when you wait until sixty five, then you are just you just have one million. Yeah. How many more years yes, will you go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, to have to add on another million. Yeah. Maybe you just die and then your children or your grandchildren will enjoy that, which is not a problem. But the thing is that, um, yeah, I feel like um, if that is an objective, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not talking about myself, you know, but if something like that is an objective for, for one of you listeners, um, maybe, you know, diversifying. Like, I like the idea of, you know, buying stocks. Um, I like the idea of, you know, saving, having savings accounts. I think it's definitely like um, a basic solution. But I also think it's important to also like take some time's risk. Yeah. I have some problems. I think that should be a conversation for a different episode or, or for a different podcast because it's very um, specific, you know, but like there's no, you cannot multiply money the way you want it to, to the way the way you want to multiply it, if you don't take risk, yeah. you know, risk in investing in somebody's business, like somebody that you know, somebody who's around you, just or a company that you really like, risk in investing in yourself, you know. If you have this entrepreneurial idea, um, how do you, um, how do you, how, why why are you waiting, you know? Yeah. If you believe in your idea, invest in yourself, because also that like. Could increase the chance that the return on, on investments they could get. Yes, yeah. But obviously, it's risky. Um, risk is good, but that's like it's, a mo- like, return is proportional to risk. <laughs> but the key thing is to, 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 to yeah, give the takeaways. For me, keep learn how to save, mm-hmm. enjoy spending money on the things you love, but mm-hmm. you know, do it in a way that you can save consistently. Learn how to invest. Investment can mean in the stock market, which gives you a relatively good rate. The stock market is like a bank account, but a bank account that will definitely grow or that will grow and crash at some point. But over time, if you take a long-term strategy, it will definitely grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't hold me onto that in case it doesn't grow in your case. Um, and finally, yeah, like you said, take risks. Reward is proportional to to risk so make sure you take risks invest in yourself try and start a business invest in somebody else's business invest in a random project maybe you are trying to buy i don't know mm-hmm. headphones and selling them or you're trying to buy masks to sell you know <laughs> definitely like yeah. you lose money sometimes but you also make money sometimes you need yeah. to have hope in yeah. yourself um so on these good words we're going to conclude this episode um i mean we're going to end this episode there's no conclusion that needs to be made you have just um giving us the takeaways yeah. um so thank you guys for for listening um see- didn't bore you <laughs> <laughs> right right it was supposed to be more fun i guess but i mean i think the the the, the, the first conversation we had you know in the first yeah. was quite deep so we just had to continue you know with the deep information and you know quality information from a quality personal finance guru you know. um, <laughs> so thank you guys for listening if you don't follow us please follow us on twitter and instagram 
our handle is <laughs> why are you looking at me like that <laughs> that was a small mistake and it wasn't even a mistake it was emotion i was too overwhelmed by you know recording from recording our first episode nobody didn't say anything just just tell us the handle <laughs> you can follow us and you can follow you guys can follow us on twitter and instagram at the 2c podcast and you can email us um at contact dot two cents to t w o c e n t s p o d c a s t at gmail.com thank you guys for tuning in and see you um next time next time we don't know when <laughs> <laughs> bye bye bye